the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hello, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And today joining me, I've got Barrington Miller, who's the director and of uh, the CSE, uh, the Canadian Securities Exchange, uh, based out of, I believe you're based out of Toronto. Is that correct, Barrington? Yes, it is. Based out of Toronto, uh, downtown, King and Bay, uh, first Canadian place, 72nd floor. And the reason I'm telling you that, it's the tallest office building in Canada. And we are on the top floor. So if I get to brag about that, I will. <laughs> yeah, of course. And actually, I think uh, I just remembered as you were introducing that uh, a good line that Richard Carlton had when I was doing a panel with him at the Alta Conference a couple of months ago. Yeah. Because we were all talking, you know, about the size of our uh, facilities. And uh, Richard was very proud to announce, I think your facility is you know, 1,500 square feet, and everybody else was talking about 100,000 square feet. But your <laughs> facility is the one that uh, everybody goes to to uh, discuss, you know, going public. And for uh, the U.S.-based companies, it's been a uh, godsend to have the CSC available as a path to market. How are you seeing that, uh, obviously, over the last, since the end of March last year, that's shifted a lot in terms of the activity, but also, um, you know, with uh, the continued economic crisis, which is going to be affecting the you know the world for the next year, and we're going to be looking at paths out of it, obviously changes a mm-hmm. lot of the discussions. How does the CSC position itself towards uh, the new reality? So, before, and I'm going to speak. Uh, I'm going to speak in two parts. The first part being, I'm just using March first yep. as a uh, as a date, a uh, point of reference. We did said March first, twenty nineteen. Oh, sorry, twenty twenty. Because there's two, there's two big <laughs> <That's> adjustments. <right. laughs> um, prior to March first, twenty twenty, and going back to March first, twenty nineteen, in that window, uh, yes, we did see a decline in the number of companies in the cannabis sector that were actually making it to market, coming out of the U.S. Mm-hmm. We were still speaking to as many, if not more. Um, but now the companies that were listed and are listed mm-hmm. began talking to them and those companies were either acquired, merged, um, remained private. And so we saw the companies that were listed actually grew. And that's the, that's part of the life cycle is uh, growth and expansion. And they were using their fundraising efforts, their secondary and tertiary ones to expand, which is what we want. This is the things that we encourage at a stock Absolutely. exchange. Now, we shifted our, or sorry, the attention was shifted outside of North America. We started seeing a lot more interest from the Caribbean, a lot more interest from Colombia, Panama, Uruguay. Um, of course, then there was Europe. We listed, I want to say, three companies uh, September 2019 that were Israeli-based, we got interest out of South Africa, as well as a few other countries. But South Africa itself, when you're talking about Africa, is is different. It's not very. I I don't think it should be part of the 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 rest of the continent discussion. And that's no disrespect to either either group. It's just that South Africa has 
behaved a little bit more like your like Europe. Yeah, well, South Africa and Botswana seem to have very different uh, economic and political um, facilities than most, you know, most of the, many of the other regions of Africa. And I think yes. talking about a continent that size as one entity does a disservice speak to everybody because it's like anything else. There's so many regions at play. Right. Um, so then we, oh, and Australia. Australia started um, started coming back and that was... Australia was in play outside of outside of cannabis for mining a number of years ago, and things didn't quite work out uh, for reasons unforeseen. And now they're starting to come back. And so, while while we've seen a decline in the number of U.S. companies that in the cannabis space that are actually making it to go public, we're still seeing an increase in the number of companies from a global perspective. So. You know, and that's great in terms of the the increase from a global perspective, because we all, you know, have recognized that, you know, what's, what started in Canada is spreading through the rest of the world. And, uh, of course, the first wave came through, and now we're looking at where where else in the world is really the opportunities. And from a grow perspective and production perspective, there's a lot of areas that are much better than Canada. I mean, Canada is not a ideal location to produce the plant. Um, and so that's a natural evolution, but, you know, I'm thinking now with everything that's going on, but the uncertainty, you know, last from March, April last year, there was a lot of uncertainty in the cannabis markets and there was a lot of downward pressure, but now it's global. So here's, here's the thing. And, and you're right. Since last spring, we did see a decline in, uh, earlier in 2020, we were labeling this the year of the balance sheet and, since March 1st, 2020, uh, nothing's changed. Companies that need need to show what they're doing and that they're actually viable. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the problem, again, uh, is, is financing and the availability of financing. The only type that seems readily available, and I'm using air quotes for people that aren't watching, uh, <laughs> are, um, are uh, their debt. Yep. You can, you can get debt financing. Sure, no problem. But uh, any other type, it's rare. And the sweet spot number, if you're if people are asking for money, is three to five million. Uh, I remember the thirty to fifty million. Yeah, <laughs> those were those were those were the times. But now, three to five million is the sweet spot. And what you're seeing now, as far as trends, and I'm not giving investment advice. Uh, just this is just through. Uh, what people are saying, people much smarter and more uh, more into the space than myself, is the curbside pickup, the distribution channels, the delivery mechanisms, the no touching, um, the the no touching of product. I'll drop it at one place. Uh, you transfer funds. I will go and pick it up at that place. Those are the types of businesses that we are now seeing and hearing. In this in this new economy, when mm-hmm. it comes to cannabis, and those right. are the types of businesses that are going to, uh, and whether it's short term, and I don't know what short term is, one year, six months, two years, I think whenever this thing that we're in is over, um, there's going to be there's going to be some serious overhang. If it ends in a year, then this thing could hang on for two, three years. Yes. Or, it, or longer, if that's how yep. people feel comfortable and have gotten used to 
conducting businesses that way. Um, one another thing uh, that we've seen is with dispensaries. Dispensaries have the ability right now, um, at least in Canada, Ontario, they've been deemed essential services. Uh, the cannabis industry has. That was up until eleven fifty nine p.m. last night or the yep. night before, where the dispensaries in Ontario have closed, but you can still get online through the Ontario cannabis stores. Um, when you talk to certain companies, certain cannabis companies, such as growers, they've been deemed essential services, so they are unfazed by this. You know, except for the admin portion of the business where they have of course. to work remote, remotely. But mm-hmm. um, those are those are the new realities. They are conducting massive amounts of revenue generating business. These dispensaries were, but they still could not get financing. Of so now course. You're caught, now you're caught in between a, a rock and a hard place. You know, it does change everybody's models, the uh, the conditions. But of course, we hope these conditions will be temporary, but we can't see how temporary. And I no. think that's, that's, a, that's a question, you know, even three months from now, we could be, we'll probably still be discussing uh, this temporary transition and what the new reality becomes. And that's, of course, opportunity for some, it's disasters for others. Yes. And, uh, you know, from a, as a, an exchange in a market, there's going, you're going to be looking at that very differently than otherwise um, the rest of the market would, because of course the customers coming in the door to you to looking for access to capital and looking for paths to market will have a complete different framework and discussion. <clears throat> and I think we're going to go to break in a second, but you know, on that, you know, we, we opened up around about two weeks ago. We've just closed We'll be announcing the the results in the next couple of weeks. Okay. We're lucky, but yeah, it's debt, and I think all of almost all the deals that are happening are insiders participating in their own companies. It's not new money flowing into the market today. Mostly, I won't say that's exclusively, but it's very true across many of the companies we've been looking at, and that also yeah, signals a totally agree battening down of the hatches. But again, the companies that are wise are going to manage through it and come out successful. And that's going to be the uh, key for so many. But we'll come back from break in a moment. And I'd like to pick up on uh, some of the changes to, you know, what's what's now the right time and uh, where sure. that's going. So we'll be back from break in a moment with uh, Barrington Miller from the uh, CSE. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. One toe over the line, sweet Jesus. One toe over the line. 
fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network, learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers, and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back with Barrington Miller from the CSE. And Barrington, just before the break, we were talking a bit about the uh, the changes for businesses with regards to the new reality, you know, dispensaries in Ontario being shut down, um, mm-hmm. some areas having been listed as an essential service. You know, our company in Columbia, um, our entity in Columbia, our operations there have been dealing with uh, the same issues. Agricultural workers are listed as essential, so they're able to continue producing. But of course, you're always concerned about movement of product and distribution. Um, there's new models coming into the market, of course. If uh, you can't get to the store, how does the store get to you? Right. And that's going to shift. But, you know, for companies that are looking at the the market as a whole, and, you know, one of the things you uh, had mentioned about was some of the new companies coming to market. And there was expected to be a wave of uh, European cannabis firms listing this year, some of them starting uh, in April. But obviously with... Uh, the markets being where they are right now, it changes the dynamic a bit. It doesn't mean it gets tabled. It just changes the dynamic. But it also changes where's the threshold for a company that's looking to list? Does it move? Should companies that were looking a year ago that maybe were early but okay, should they be looking at it differently? Should they have some different uh, metrics they should be focusing on before they go public? Or is there something different that they need to look at that otherwise they wouldn't have considered? Well, absolutely. Um, because because the climate's changed, uh, companies have to decide why they want it to go public or why they want to go public. And ninety nine percent of the time, it's to it's access to public capital. Mm-hmm. Now, if that public capital isn't available, how long is their runway? And does it make more sense from a regulatory, from an expense, um, to remain private? And are they able to secure those financings and funds through private means? Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more side conversations with bigger players. As far as the companies that are going to weather this storm, 
it's going to be the big five, the big 10 multi-state operators, um, regardless of jurisdiction. I'll use the U.S., but the same, the same that have ties to Europe and vice versa that can rely on one another. Um, and then, of course, there is government support. So if you look at Europe and you let's let's take Germany, Germany is the bellwether country as far as cannabis. The government has already um, intertwined cannabis as far as the medical claims. It's uh, seamless. You can apply for it and get it. Um, kudos to them. So now you have when you have the government tied in as closely as they are in Germany, you feel a little bit more comfortable with uh, with with the support that they're offering. So companies that are looking to go public now have to shift, have to absolutely shift shift their schedule. Some may some may pivot. Some may decide we were going to be recreational and now. Uh, there's a there's a surge in demand for medicinal and uh, go through that that process. So every single company I know uh, that was planning to go public will at least have to do some introspection um, with their businesses, with their shareholders, and with their uh, with their valuable stakeholders. I, I agree, and you know, I mean, having studied the history of any of the uh, market downturns, in a market downturn, people still spend the money as they have it. They just tend to spend it on a lot of more smaller purchases as opposed to large ones. And uh, you also see an increase in uh, sales of, uh, well, smaller price ticket items, but, you know, beer sales go up versus wine sales or versus scotch sales. It's the recession recession proof. That's, that is, that's what was popping up the last few weeks as far as discussion. So you have uh, tobacco, alcohol, those are deemed as recession-proof. Now, cannabis is being thrown in there because, like I said, some of these companies are making money hand over fist, and this is this has been a global economic downturn. Is is cannabis recession-proof? I don't I don't know. It's it's behaving like it is, um, and it makes me very nervous to say anything is, but. It certainly has the signs. Well, and it's going to be interesting because, of course, there's two aspects to the cannabis industry. There's the recreational or adult use side, Mm -hmm. which is the one where people are looking at comparing it towards cigarettes and alcohol and the like. And then there's the medical where, you know, the the need for medical products don't disappear in a health crisis. No. And, you know, the people still have the conditions that they needed treatment for prior and those are going to continue, and those markets were just opening in many ways. So really it becomes a question of what barriers are going to exist in the short term to getting products to patients and to, you know, for the rec side, for to uh, customers. And you said delivery systems are going to be enhanced. But do you see a difference? Uh, you know, there's always been a question of the bifurcation in the market. Do you see that happening differently now? I, I definitely do. I think... Any any region, any any area that has laid out the foundation for medical usage and then followed by adult rec has had a very, very, um, has had a better success rate. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in, when we're going through this, this thing together, health and healing, health and wellness, quality of life, those will always and always should take the forefront. 
Um, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to at least my opinion, um, I put adult rec usage sort of on the back burner, and we focus on the distribution channels of getting uh, medical products to the patients that need it, um, the patients that rely on it. This is the time. Um, it is the time for that. Yes, there is a place for for adult, but I think the focus should definitely be uh, and continue to be on the medical on the medical side. Yeah, and then when you see companies like Organogram, which I think you know, I, I don't want to quote the wrong number. You can correct me if I have the wrong one, but they, you know, yesterday they laid off or announced layoffs of about forty two or forty five percent of their staff, not because there's a lack of demand, but because they're you know they're not able to get everybody to to work on a consistent basis because of the, uh, the health issues, right. um, that's going to put further pressure on supply. And that's going to put, that puts a lot of pressure on the medical supply in the country. Do you think the government's going to have to adjust how it's been administering across Canada and, and uh, elsewhere in respect of the fact that the supply, there's going to be less supply for medical inside the country, even though demand continues to be strong or increasing? Well, I know um, <clears throat> I know that when some areas lay off, other areas increase as far as hiring. And if you take our region, which is southern Ontario, um, there's been a we we usually have uh, migrant workers that come up, and it's a it's a very seasonal very seasonal industry. Uh, obviously, that's not happening, and so there is a there is a demand for hiring for anybody who can and is willing to willing to do that. Um, of course, that will help, uh, that'll help the supply chain. Um, and I think the government will and should step in to make sure that these things maintain the current levels um, or at least get to it as close as possible. No, agreed. And uh, I think that. I think right after the break, we should come back to a little bit further on that, just in terms of margins, but the distribution channels and the opportunities around that, because I think that's also going to be a shift in the market. But we have to take a break quickly, and then we'll be back in about 60, in 60 seconds or so, and uh, on to the last section. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Coming back uh, again with Barrington Miller from the CSE. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, P 
people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back uh, on the Green Peak. Glenn Richards Wiki and joining me again is uh, Barrington Miller with the CSE. And we've covered a lot of really interesting topics so far today, Barrington. We have just one uh, little bit of time left to go. Um, and it was actually two different areas I wanted to delve into. One is, sure. um, you know, the, the changes in distribution are going to change where the market pressure is in terms of margins. And that's going to affect how people look at in terms of where to orient their business but also that whole margin and distribution change is going to ch- affect um, the strategies and discussions around legalization in the U.S. And on that, it also becomes a question of banking because how the cash flows between the consumer and the company and the producer also is going to have to change with regards to all of it. What are your thoughts on that transformation that's probably going to come now you know, over the next six months as an industry and legalization is going to have to follow a path as well. Well, uh, I was fortunate enough to speak with a, um, a Washington, D.C. lobbyist. I am uh, not going to say her name yet. You'll have to tune into uh, <laughs> our own discussion, which is happening next Tuesday. Um, selfless promotion there. But um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to her perspective and her vantage point, if you have to ask, what would you want first, legalization or banking? The simple answer is banking, mm-hmm. and that is that is where the United States is the closest to solving, the closest to crossing the line, the closest to reaching. Um, and it also turns out that banking has uh, has a far larger reach per person than legalization would. Um, okay, now when it comes to banking, what does that mean? It means that these institutions are able to do banking with cannabis companies, even though it's still federally illegal, but they, they fall under the safe harbor. So a bank, even though it still could be prosecuted, um, it cannot be prosecuted solely for dealing with a cannabis operator who is operating in the, um, of course, legal bounds and all of those things. 
So that is where that language is already in place. That has been vetted. The, the government knows where it's coming from. So that's where, uh, that's what the, that's the closest point. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, the banking issue is going to continue to, uh, I mean, as soon as that really opens up, it's also going to be a big economic stimulus across all fronts for the industry in terms of development. And of course, you know, it continues to, it'll continue to facilitate an increase in uh, tax revenue, which is amazing how the government is not sure how to handle so many of the issues, despite their constant desire for the tax revenue. Now, here's, here's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but uh, at the Canadian Securities Exchange, we have a number of um, potential uh, listings coming out of the Caribbean. And I'll use Jamaica as an example. And this is one of the ripple effects of having the banking, um, the banking thing pass through. A lot of the, a lot of the companies in the Caribbean uh, operate through the banks that have ties to the U.S. and the U.S. Mm-hmm. banking system. They are hesitant, or they just won't allow uh, those cannabis companies to fully operate in the way that we've seen uh, both in Canada and the U.S. And it all ties into uh, the fear of of the government and per, and participating in an industry that's federally illegal. Once you clear banking, once they understand that it's okay uh, on the mainland in the U.S., you will see a absolute title shift, again, in my opinion, of of companies coming out of the out of the Caribbean. I mean, it is a big problem for international commerce, and I know it's one we've also dealt with with uh, Canadian banks and. Colombian banks and Peruvian banks and banks elsewhere yes. that prefer not to transact in U.S. dollars for those international deals because it's a headache for them. And, you know, it's I think it's two parts. I mean, one is the safe banking and the transactions, but I don't know if it'll be fully addressed until there actually is a rescheduling no, that, no. that clears it, right? And I think there's two waves that are going to come, but the safe banking uh, is going to be the really the first one that's going to be material as a step forward. But I think uh, for international systems will really free up as uh, the rescheduling happens. And that's, that's not just a U.S. issue. That's going to be a lot of other countries have to tie together and agree on a new treaty or a new uh, exemption on the treaty. For sure. But we are out of time for today. Um, I'd like to thank you for joining us, uh, Barrington. It was a really fascinating discussion, and I'd like to thank our listeners for participating again, and we look forward to speaking again next Tuesday. But if people want to uh, contact you or look more in detail at the CSE um, as a advice and channel to market, who should they contact? Uh, so there's there, there's a few avenues. Uh, one is info at the CSE.com. If you are a private company looking to go public or you are a public company that is looking to switch or have an additional listing, you can write listings at the CSE.com. Uh, I can also be reached at barrington.miller at the CSE.com. Thank you very much. And I think that last point is really important for people to realize you can have multiple listings. Yes. Uh, Now, 
when you're if you're a Canadian if, if you're listed on one Canadian exchange it there yeah. isn't really much benefit to be listed on a bunch but yeah. if you're a uh if you're in Canada and you want to list on uh Nasdaq we have one of those companies mm-hmm. uh you can list on us in NYSE you can list on us and in London you quote exactly OTC markets it's um yeah, yeah. and you know you want to broaden your audience that's right. Access to capital is global and you need to go where the customers are and the clients right. are and the investors are. That's right. Thank you so much, Barrington. No, thank you, Chatting Richard. With you today and thanks to everybody for listening. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.